This is Cruise Radio. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here. A review of Viking Sky today. Also, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Cruise Radio News Podcast. It's the quick three things you need to know for the day, Monday through Friday, 90 seconds. You can subscribe to that at Cruise Radio News, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Again, I've been saying it a lot, but it's separate from this feed. I've been having some questions on that. So there's that. Also, the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. Have a couple of new tours up. I have a walking tour of MSC Seaside. Royal Caribbean's Symphony of the Seas, Carnival Glory, and a simulation of the roller coaster that Carnival is putting on Carnival of Mardi Gras. And speaking of that, Sherry, uh, what do you think of it? There's no way in on this earth I would ever get on that thing. <laughs> I was watching the video um, of the you know what it would be like to be seated in this little motorcycle-ish contraption. You're going 40 miles an hour, <laughs> 180-something feet above the water. <laughs> yeah, as if. Yeah, 187 feet above sea level. So that's going to be uh, pretty high up there. If you want to see a video rendering of this in kind of a simulation, check out the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. So speaking of Carnival, a Carnival Panorama debuting on the West Coast next December, less than a year away. And now it looks like they're bringing another ship to the West Coast. Well, I left my heart there in 1977. Miracle is sailing four-day voyages from San Francisco to Ensenada, and that's going to begin on March 19th of 2020. So it's a little bit of a ways out. People that just want to get away for a long weekend, this is great news because the ship will leave on Thursdays and return on Monday morning, so you can go right from the ship to work. The ship will also sail five- and six-day cruises, and these will go to Ensenada, Catalina Island, and San Diego. Ten-day trips on the Miracle will head to Alaska, making port calls at Juneau, Skagway, and Icy Strait Point, and a special one-time only, if you can't get enough, 11-day Alaska cruise will depart San Francisco on August 9th. So that's pretty cool. They've never been on San Francisco before, so it's the first time Carnival will make its appearance. And after that, Carnival Miracle will relocate a little bit south down to San Diego, and beginning October 4th, the ship will cruise for three days to Ensenada, four-day sailings to Ensenada and Catalina Island, and five-day getaways, which will include two full days in, of all places, Cabo San Lucas. So keeping it busy. But yeah. That's okay. Royal Caribbean is back in New Orleans with a ship. Yeah, Vision of the Seas. Uh, a young 20 years old is now home ported in New Orleans. It's going to sail seven-night cruises, and uh, in mid-January it'll be... Up until mid-January, it'll be Nassau, Miami, and Key West. But after that, the itinerary will change, and it will be Nassau, Coco Key, and Key West. So Miami will be eliminated. Um, and this gets a little complicated, so stick with me here. After New Orleans, the Vision's going to head to Galveston, and then it'll home port in Miami. And it uh, looks like next November, then, it will do a Panama Canal cruise to Los Angeles. They've got this ship going all over the place. It's going to go back to Europe. 
some Canada, New England cruises, but mainly right now the excitement is it's in New Orleans and doing seven night cruises. That's always a fun sail away out of New Orleans because, uh, well, I mean, I guess if you want to get into the ocean really fast, it's not fun, but I like going down the, like 10 hours on the Mississippi. That's always so cool. It's beautiful. I did that the first, I've only done it once and that was on the old Carnival Inspiration mm-hmm. um, way back in, oh gosh, 2002 or three, something like that. But it was so neat to, it, yeah, it's like a little slow cruise down the Mississippi out into the Gulf. It's amazing how busy that is with the tankers and cargo ships coming in and out. It's like the ships are playing chicken at some point, too. <laughs> it's a little scary, but yeah, it's really pretty. Yeah, it sure is. Those river pilots make some great money down there. So let's see what else we have here. Two more cruise ships are coming to Miami in 2020. Yeah, another, you know, all this shuffling going on. Uh, Norwegian Joy and Norwegian Encore will both be repositioned to Miami in 2020. Um, and from Miami, Norwegian Joy is going to do five and seven-day Western and Eastern Caribbean cruises, and the Encore will cruise seven days to the Western, plus a couple partial Panama Canal cruises, you know, where you go in, turn around the lake, and you leave again. And then just up here, another little bit of news, at Port Canaveral, Norwegian Escape is going to get here, and the Epic is going to leave and go to San Juan. It really sounds far away, but, you know, we're almost in 2019, so another year and a half. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. So this is interesting, this next story. As if Disney prices weren't high enough, they are increasing their prices a little bit more just in time for the holiday season. They are in the price increase applies to Palo and Remy, of course. Apollo was $30 per person, and now it will be 40 per person for brunch and dinner, while Remy uh, for brunch is currently $75 per person, but it used to be 60 And dinner that was a mere $95 is now $125 per person. So I don't know. I guess if you can afford a Disney cruise, Remy for dinner isn't that far-fetched. Did I hear that correct? You said Remy is going from 95 to 125 it is. It has, actually. <laughs> 31.5% increase there. Way to go, Disney. If you, if, if you can get that, go ahead and charge at Disney. Why not? And they will. That's the yeah. funny part. <laughs> no shame at all. Props to them. Uh, let's see here. Uh, also, ground transportation changing as well. Yeah, it already has, actually. And it's, um, it's from Disney Cruise Line when they land in Orlando to get out to Port Canaveral. It's going to increase. It's not too much. Not like, not like Remy. It's going from 35 per person to 39 per person. But uh, other ports are actually going to decrease. For example, in Chivita Vecchia, if you're going to do Disney in um, Italy, that went from $70 per person to 55 And in Copenhagen, it dropped from 40 to 35 So, um, you know, I guess they're putting this... The increase in the food and dropping the price to get there. We can cut them some slack there. That's the cost of doing business. 11% increase isn't that bad. Yeah, it's not bad. And you get to ride in that cute bus. Yeah, with Donald (laughs) on the side of it. That's always fun. And last but not least, Carnival came to the aid of a distressed sailor. They did. It happened just a few days ago. And while Carnival Triumph was on a five-day Western Caribbean cruise, the ship received a request from crew on board a nearby sailboat uh, apparently the sailboat was in need of oil. So that's not a good thing to be running out of that. So the captain of the Triumph, which is, uh, his name is Isidoro Renda, and his officers somehow supplied the sailboat crew with oil for their engine, and it was enough to finish their trip. So, you know, tack it up to another distress call mission, successfully completed. Look at Carnival being the uh, AAA of the ocean. 
<laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Right? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right, we have a listener email here from Jeff, who lives in Hawaii. Jeff says, Doug, love this show. Have a question in regards to shore excursions while in St. Thomas. My wife and I are cruising Norwegian Bliss for New Year's, and we'll be stopping in St. Thomas. We currently live in Hawaii, so we have our fair share of beaches and snorkeling. All the research I have done involves beach days or snorkeling, uh, which she's not interested in. I am looking to do something more adventurous while in St. Thomas. Any suggestions? Hi, Jeff. First of all, I'm so jealous because you're on the bliss and I want to see Jersey Boys so badly. Mm. So you get to see it and I don't. But uh, anyway, lucky you also living in Hawaii. Right. But um, yeah, you don't want a beach day. So what I, you know, I've got a couple ideas here. One, if you want something a little bit more adventurous, you can take, take a taxi over to Red Hook, which is at the far end of St. Thomas, and you take a, it's about a 30, 20 to 3 minute ferry boat ride across the Sound over to Cruise Bay, which is St. John's Island. So St. John's is actually, uh, two-thirds of it is a tropical forest and part of the U.S. National Park Service. So if you want something a little bit adventurous, they have hiking trails that go all, they just wind through there. And throughout the trail, you'll run into historical sites and some ruins. Um, they also have a wonderful beach called Trunk Bay, but of course you don't want to do that. But you can get some really good hiking in, and there's a little bit of an incline, um, and it overlooks, you know, there's places where you can look out over the water, but um, you can pick up a map when you get off the the ferry boat at Cruise Bay, the um, visitor center is right there. It's a big yellow building. And just go in and get a hiking map um, and wear some, you know, some good shoes because it can be slippery. It is a forest. And it is tropical. So, um, but you can just wander around there. There's some restaurants and resorts that you could walk to, too, and have some lunch or a drink and cool off. There's also a little shopping mall right near the uh, the visitor center. So, when you're done with your hike, if you want to pick up some souvenirs, it's sort of uh, under the banyan trees. It's really a pretty location, too, kind of hidden. Um, but if you want to stay on St. Thomas itself, oh, for the other one, go back and, and you can check the website is visitusvi.com and just go straight to St. John and you can get a little bit more information about what you'll see on the hiking trails and how long it takes and things like that. So that's always a good resource. But for St. Thomas, and I'm going to try this um, next month, actually, they have a food and rum tour, uh, and I always like those. And it involves walking. They show you parts of the city, um, wherever you do it. But um, it's not really adventurous, but you're adventuring out into the city, um, which is kind of fun. And you get to see some new sites and make new friends and have some rum and food. So Boring. can't be bad. Boring. <laughs> when I go next month, I'm going to St. John, the first thing you said, and going hiking. Are you going to – really? I've tried that. I did it by – I tried it by myself once, mm -hmm. and I just got a little spooked. I didn't know – you know, it was a little scary just being out in the forest by myself. You know, I didn't know if snakes were going to drop on my head or not. <laughs> so I, I didn't stay very You're long, but it's a beautiful walk. You're in the Caribbean, not in the Amazon. Yeah, but it's – it's um, it's oh, like they don't have spiders and snakes? I sound like – Who's that country? Yeah, but there's not that? like a car-sized boa constrictors hanging from trees. Absolutely, you know, and I didn't want <laughs> any part of that, so I left. <laughs> but it um, was really pretty for the, the few yards that I did walk. Now, what's funny, Sherry, is that we didn't talk about this when I forwarded you Jeff's email, and I replied to him, and I told him the same exact thing you did. 
No kidding. Yeah. Great minds and all that, right? Yeah, I love it. Uh, we've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. As always, thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. We know you can't go on every single cruise. So we do it for you. Find over 200 ship reviews and money-saving tips at cruiseradio.net or search Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio. Every day, thousands of cruisers set sail to the Caribbean and are increasingly choosing their shore excursions through CruisingExcursions.com. Why Cruising Excursions? With prices up to 60% lower than cruise lines, around-the-clock customer service, and guarantees that give you a peace of mind, why not? So whether you're looking to zipline in Jamaica, snorkel in Nassau, or see Mayan ruins in Mexico, market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com has you covered. Book your family's next shore excursion at cruisingexcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Sarah and her mom just got back from a 14-night cruise aboard the Viking Sky. That's one of Viking Cruise's ocean-going ships. Of course, they've been known forever for their river ships, now branching into the ocean market with a few ships there and, uh, and more to come. Sarah did a 14-night cruise from London up to Norway. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how are you? Good. Now, I'm excited to talk all about this voyage because I was, uh, as you were posting pictures and your trip rep- uh, trip reports throughout the voyage, everything just looked so stunning and picturesque. So uh, I want to start before we get to the ship itself. What kind of expectations did you have going into this trip? Well, I was really excited. Um, I've wanted to go to Norway for quite a while now. So when this trip came up, I jumped on it immediately. And I was really looking forward also to seeing Viking ships because I knew that they were smaller, um, different than anything I've ever been on before. So I was excited to see the small ship experience. Did you do a lot of research going in, like, you know, watching people's YouTube tours or checking out the deck plans? Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I watched some videos, looked at pictures, even read menus, but... I tried not to look at everything that was out there. I wanted to be surprised a little bit. Yeah, there's, that's, uh, that's understandable. You're up in New York, and you made your way from New York over to London. You did, you did uh, an overnight flight, and then you took the Viking transfer from London to the actual uh, cruise ship itself. Now, was the ship docked, um, was it docked in Southampton, or was it docked somewhere else? It was actually docked at a floating dock in the Thames in Greenwich, okay. right next to London. Mm-hmm. So you were embarking, so you actually had to, did you embark on land and then take like a tender to the ship? We checked in on on land at a tent that they had set up right in Greenwich, and then we took a boat over to the floating pier, I guess you could say, and that's where we did security and everything. Okay. And what were your first impressions once you actually got on board Viking Sky? It was beautiful. It's very Scandinavian, very cozy. A lot of the spaces are very home-like. Um, we're really excited to be on, I think, such a small ship because I'm used to a lot bigger ones. So our first impression was very, very good. Yeah, because in the past you've sailed, what, Carnival Vista, Norwegian Star, and uh, Royal Caribbean's Majesty of the Sea. So it had to be a lot different for you as far as the atmosphere and everything. Pretty much a complete 180, right? Completely different. Yeah. It was beautiful. I, I would think so. What was, what was the first thing you did once you got on board? We were half asleep from the overnight flight, so we ate in the buffet and then took a nap immediately after. So what kind of stateroom did you have, and what did you think of it? We had a deluxe balcony. All cabins on this ship are balconies, Mm -hmm. so ours was just a step up from the basic, which is very close to the basic balconies. The only difference is that 
our mini fridge, I think, was stocked with a few more things, and they were replenished without charging us. The cabin was beautiful. We walked in, and it's full of light. The colors are very muted. There was a lot of space. Um, the bathroom was bigger than, I would say, a typical bathroom on a regular cruise ship, and the best part was the floors in the bathroom was were heated. Huh. That's awesome. I know biking on their um, their river boats have heated bathroom floors on their new long ships. So that's cool. They're seeing that um, put them on their big ships too. Because that sure is nice when you're when you're waking up in the middle of the night and it's freezing in your stateroom and you get the warm you know step on those those warm tiles. I guess it is right. Yeah, we were yeah. sailing into a region that was kind of chilly too. So I yeah. almost took off my shoes on purpose whenever yeah. I went to the bathroom because it was so warm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, as far as like storage wise and enough plugs slash USB ports to go around, how was that? Yeah, there was a big closet um, with a rod hangers. We asked for some more, but that was fine. There was plenty of room. Um, some drawers, a shelf. We actually had enough room pretty much for our clothes. I did leave some in one of my suitcases, but I technically could have hung them up if I needed more hangers. Um, and USBs, there was two built into each nightstand, so there were two for each of us, and then there was also some at the desk. So there was plenty of plugs, normal plugs too. And as far as space on the balcony, how was that? I wouldn't say it was any larger than usual, but our knees didn't hit when we sat down, so mm-hmm. it was a good size. Let's switch gears here and talk about the food on board. Of course, um, there's some specialty venues on the ship, and I understand everything is included? Everything except the chef's table, which we didn't do. Okay, so let's just start um, like at the typical buffet area, and we'll go down from there. So how was that? The World Cafe is what the buffet is called, and there's two sides to it. It's up on the, like, pool deck, Lido deck area. And each side was pretty much the same most days, except one side always had gelato. The flavors would rotate throughout the day, throughout the different days. And there would also be pastas of the day that they would actually make for you right when you asked, and also sandwiches of the day, and those might have been different on either side, just depending on what meal it was. Um, It was really good, though. I thought that there could be a little bit more of a variety, but we always found something to eat there. So, And the food was a great quality. Okay, so the World Cafe was the buffet. Uh, What's next? The main dining room. Okay, so how was that? That was great. Also, we had... So it's open seating. There is no, like, set dining times there. But my mom has food allergies, so the first night we were sat in... A section with a server she was wonderful and her team and she said just make sure you ask for us every night and I'll get to know your allergies and like we'll take good care of you so we ended up in her section every time we ate in the main dining room for dinner which was almost every night and the food there was great there was a regular menu that didn't change and then the other side of the menu did change daily and then there was also a destination menu mm-hmm. so an appetizer an entree and a dessert that was based on the place we were at. Did they serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the main dining room every single day? They served breakfast there every day. Lunch depended. I think it was sea days they had lunch there. And I also want to mention, they did really well with my mom's food allergies. Generally, there's actually a staff member. She's that's her job is to like take care of the people that have food allergies, go around, make sure they don't need anything, um, go over their menu that they choose for the next night. And as a whole, Viking did really, really well with my mom's multiple food allergies. The only thing that they could work on is 
garnishes. Like the the entree would be fine, perfect, but she's allergic to tomatoes, for example, and sometimes there would be like a grilled tomato just as a garnish on her plate. So mm. that was the only thing that kind of bothered us. It happened multiple times, but other than that, they did a really good job with that. Okay, very good. Now you had, so the World Cafe, the main dining room, how about the specialty restaurant? Which one is that? Manfredi's, that's the Italian restaurant. Okay, and how was Manfredi's? Manfredi's was really good. So ahead of your cruise, you can actually only book one night there. So I think it's so everybody can have a chance before you actually embark. But once you get on board, you can book more nights if they're not full. So I ended up eating there about four or five times throughout the cruise. Mm -hmm. And it was great. There was steak. There were some different meats. There was a lot of pasta and Viking makes their pasta homemade right on board, so most of it's all fresh. I'd say like 90% probably, so it was really great. Um, we really enjoyed Manfredi's. Were there uh, any smaller venues, like little kind of like, uh, you know, if you're hungry, grab a snack here or there? Yeah, so there's the pool grill, which is right up by the main pool in the middle of the ship, and they had like hot dogs and burgers and... I think some sandwiches, and then they had this little, like, fruit cold buffet with, like, different fruit salads and, like, pasta salads and um, stuff like that. So we went there a few times after our excursions. If they went through lunchtime, um, we'd end up at the pool grill to eat something, and we thought their food was really good. How was the entertainment on this 14-night sailing? Were you, like, constantly disembarking and embarking different entertainers throughout the 14 nights? Yeah, so we had a cruise director, and actually two of the different shows that we had on two different nights was the cruise director putting on his own show and the assistant cruise director doing an entire show because they both have an entertainment background, and they were excellent. They were some of the best shows we saw on board. The other one that we saw that was really good was actually somebody that they embarked special for our cruise for a couple days. Um, Her name is Toni Warren, and she was a finalist on The Voice UK and she was really, really good. How how was the like the areas around the ship outside of the the main theater shows? Like as far as like music around the ship at nighttime? Because I this, these ships do not have casinos, correct? Correct. How was that? There was there was a lot of music around the ship at different times. They had a guitarist, they had a trio, and then they had the Viking band. So. Pretty much almost at all times, if you weren't in port, you could find somebody playing. Even sometimes in port, like, somebody would be playing at a bunch of different places. Even one day, the guitarist was out, like, playing in the area between the buffet sides. Mm -hmm. So they they didn't have very many, like, different musical groups, but they had them at different places all the time, so you could always find something to listen to. And I also want to mention, we went to a couple one or two stage shows just by the Viking singers and dancers. Um, one that I'm thinking of is an ABBA like tribute show. And their dancers are really good. Like they, they have good dancers on board, but the singers were not the best. I think Viking doesn't really focus on their entertainment as much as other areas, and it kind of showed. So we were a little disappointed in that show, but um, the cruise directors, their shows, and then the special guests they were really good you had 14 ports on this or i'm sorry 14 days on board viking sky so you you had 
you know, a few sea days scattered between. How did the ship handle itself? I mean, this is a, a pretty small sized ship. So as far as like any crowds or congestion during sea days? Not much, no. It is a small ship, but there's also a small number of passengers to go with that. So there's actually quite a bit of space per person. Um, during certain events like music on the pool deck or other activities that happened, it would get pretty crowded on the pool deck. You couldn't necessarily easily find a lounger, but that was the exception. In general, there was always space. The The place that did get crowded quite often was the buffet at peak meal times, which is expected. Mm-hmm. Okay, and your ports of call. Now, we would be here all day talking about each one, so give us like your top three. Yeah, so we went to Ludden, London, um, Edinburgh, Kirkwall, and Lerwick. The last three were in Scotland, and then Lofoten, Huntingsvag, Tromso, Molda, Geiringer, and Bergen, all in Norway. Um, my top three, my top definitely is Geiringer. That was a port I've wanted to go to for years in Norway. It's at the end of a fjord. It was absolutely beautiful. We drove up in the mountains. We were above the clouds. We saw a glacier. Um, we went to a bunch of lookout points to look down at the fjord. It's just pristine. That was the best port of the entire cruise for me. And then my other favorites were probably Tromso. That's a city, and it's bigger than a lot of the towns we stopped in. We had a really good excursion there. Went up, saw a lake. We saw a fjord. Went in the mountains. Um, stopped at the Arctic Cathedral, which is a very modern, beautiful church. Mm-hmm. Um, the architecture was really cool there. And the other one I liked the most was Bergen. I would say that was our last port. We actually disembarked there and flew home from there. And that's a really cool city. I wish I could go back and visit longer there. Now, it's probably worth noting here that with Viking um, Ocean, I guess with Viking River and Ocean, the the excursions are included. Is that correct? Um, there is an excursion included in every port, and then there are additional ones that are longer or go into more depth or go to a different place that you can add-on that cost extra. You know, some of those, um, like going through the fjords, reminded me a lot of how like an Alaska cruise is. I heard from multiple people that it was a lot like that, and that fjord in particular was miles and miles long. So I actually woke up at 5.30 that morning to go out and take pictures. We were sailing past waterfalls that were falling down into the fjord. It was absolutely beautiful. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been. And the itinerary was called Into the Midnight Sun. Now, is that because you're up in the Arctic Circle? Yep, we sailed above the Arctic Circle. We actually stopped in Huntingsvag, which is near the North Cape, and that is the northernmost point in Europe accessible by road. So we're well above the Arctic Circle. Would that be where Santa is? He's at the North Pole, so I guess he is technically above the Arctic Circle, yeah. Okay, fine. Very good. Fine. So you make your way to Bergen. You said that was one of your favorite ports as well, but you also got there, what, a day early? So you overnighted there? Yep. We had a full day there, and then we got off the next morning. And how was the debark? Debark was great. We almost didn't do self-assist, and we almost put our suitcases out the night before, but then we were like, this is going to be easy. We don't need to do that. We only have two suitcases each. So we ended up doing self-assist, and it was extremely easy. The terminal had 
hardly anybody in it. We practically walked right up to the customs agents and we were off and on to our transfer. Looking back over this cruise, what was the biggest highlight for you? The biggest highlight in general was visiting Norway. We got to go to six ports there and it was everything I thought it would be. I think it's my favorite country I've ever been to now and Geiranger in particular was my favorite port there. And then the other thing I think was being on such a cozy ship and also seeing how much my mom enjoyed it. She loved the ship, absolutely loved it. I'm pretty sure she could live on one of those ships, <laughs> and she loved the ports we visited. She loved the little towns and seeing a different way of life and seeing how rural it was, but still charming, and yeah, it was a great time. Well, we're going to start wrapping things up here, but before we do that, let's talk about um, any first-time tips you may have to offer for someone sailing Viking cruises. Yeah, I would say definitely make your one reservation at Manfredi's before you get on board, but then if you want to eat there again, um, ask if there are any other openings and try to make more reservations because it's free, so why not? It's Italian food. It's great. I think it's well worth missing the main dining room for and then another thing is they have galley tours, which they do advertise in the daily newsletter. Um, make sure you sign up for those as quickly as you can because they do have a few different ones, I think, on sea days, but they fill up relatively fast. And then something that isn't advertised is bridge tours, which they also do. So go to guest services, ask if they're doing any bridge tours, and make sure you sign up for those because we did a bridge tour with the captain, and it was it was awesome. He went into depth about so many things up there. We learned a ton. It was really cool. You mentioned that the shore excursions, uh, one was included. Did you actually buy any of them and like did not do the, uh, the ship one? Yeah, we did that for a few places. Actually, in Bergen, we did two excursions. One was the included like highlights tour, and mm-hmm. then we actually went to the Dala of Norway um, sweater factory, which is about an hour outside of Bergen. That was an extra tour we got to see how they make the sweaters there and see all that process and then visit their outlet store. And I actually bought a Norwegian sweater, so it was really cool. And then in Geiranger, I did an additional excursion also. Um, It hit a lot of the same places as the included one, but it was just a little bit longer and went to a couple extra stops, which I think was worth it because that was the best port in my opinion. So one thing I've recently fell in love with on cruise ships um, is the spa. So, and I was reading that this ship has a, is it a snow room in the spa? Yeah, the snow grotto, I think. Yeah, talk to me about that. The spa, anybody can use these certain facilities in the spa, including the snow room. Um, It's just a room with a couple benches, and it literally makes snow. Snow falls from wherever it gets made onto the benches, onto the floor, and it's part of the Nordic spa ritual. So it was really cool. I went in there a couple times. Do you like you go in there with like just your bathing suit on and a towel? Yeah, so I would go in with my bathing suit and I would wear my flip flops because I didn't want to be stepping in the snow. Uh-huh. It'd be freezing with bare feet, and then I would also um, bring in my towel and set it down on the bench so I wasn't sitting directly on the snow either. But it actually wasn't as miserable as I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be like freezing; I'd be out in five seconds. But it's actually pretty manageable, and it was really nice. And so, like, every guest sailing gets access to that? It's not like you have to buy a spa pass for the, the two weeks or a day pass? Nope, there's no pass. Every guest can um, go in that area. So the spa actually has a big, warm pool. They call it a vitality pool with whirlpools in it. And then there's a hot tub, a bucket of cold water that you can voluntarily dump on yourself, a sauna, 
a steam room, and a cold plunge pool. So the Nordic tradition is to go back and forth between hot and cold, and it improves your circulation. So you'd go from, say, the hot tub to the snow room and then into the steam room and then under the bucket of cold water and then into the sauna, etc. So it was really neat to be able to try out all that stuff. Sounds like my kind of uh, spa experience. We've been talking with Sarah about her 14-night cruise into the midnight sun aboard Viking Sky from London to Bergen. Sarah, thanks for being on the show. Of course. Thank you. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.